Hello, my friends. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. I am, first of all, going to thank you right off the bat for choosing this podcast today, choosing to listen to this episode. Um, I am so grateful for you guys. Um, I'm coming up on the two-year anniversary of the podcast uh, at the end of January, and my goal was I was going to try for 100,000 downloads by the end of the month, and, you know, I didn't think we were going to make it, but we we just might. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm at 87,000 right now. And so, all right, we can do this. I am going to push full steam ahead to get this podcast into as many mom's ears as possible. And it's because of your stories. It's because of your experiences. I have my own. Yes, of course. But it's the way that you guys show up, whether you reach out to me on Instagram and the DMs, um, or if you're in Mothers Together and I talk to you there, or you've been on the podcast and I talk to you here. You all have stories too. And it turns out that other moms really want to hear them. Right? And if you've clicked on this episode and you're listening to this right now, it means you want to hear another mom's story too. It's this community sense that changes everything. And and I've been saying that from the beginning. And the podcast is one piece of that community puzzle. Um, and so I'm I'm so glad that you're you're listening. But I also want to invite you to do something that I've never asked for before, and that is to share a story for a mini episode of the podcast. So let me explain. Every Monday, as you guys know, I bring on a mom, we have a back and forth conversation, uh, you know, a really nice chat, and we talk all about what it's like to raise neurodivergent kids in general. You know, we talk about their lives. I've also started bringing some dads on on Fridays. And by the way, I, I, I only had a few dads volunteer, but if I have more dads, I am so happy to keep that series going because it did really well and was really popular. Um, and then those in-between Monday and Friday episodes, I really was thinking that I would be able to basically get on this microphone every day and, and talk about whatever's on my mind. And as much as I would love to do that, there are literally not enough hours in the day and I can't, at least not yet, not, not in this current season of business and life. But at the same time, I feel like a once a week episode with a mom isn't enough because I think it would be really helpful if you got to hear on a regular basis an anecdote from another mom raising a neurodivergent kid. And so I'm inviting all of you, every single one of you listening right now, if you are interested, to submit to me an anonymous anecdote about a moment in your life raising a neurodivergent kid. And and my parameters here are pretty, pretty loose. Um, I'm only looking for it to be related to raising a neurodivergent kid, but that's pretty much it. Um, you know, it can be a positive story. It can be a struggle. It can be both. Um, the idea is that the listeners, you guys go, oh my gosh, I, I have had that same experience before. Oh, we went through the same thing. Wow. It's good to know that I'm not the only one who had a child react that way in that situation, right? It's all about validation, validation, validation. And this would be different from the Monday episodes. So this would be short. I'm talking 10-ish minutes, give or take, you know, five, three to five minutes in either direction. But it would be a short episode, a quick bite. 
And it would be a specific story that you're telling. So when I say the word story, I really mean moment in time, anecdote. For example, my very first episode of this podcast, which many of you have heard, is called my rock bottom parenting moment. And I'm talking about the waffle story with Mr. Nine, who was three at the time. But I've also told the story uh, with the egg pan. And a lot of you listened to that one. I I don't, I want to say that was like episode four or five, maybe. That was a specific moment in time about this egg pan. That's what I'm looking for here, where you are telling the story, just like if you had a friend that you were picking up the phone or FaceTiming or texting or whatever, and you were like, I have to tell you what happened to us today. That's the story I want to hear. So again, it's going to be kept short, 10 minutes-ish, Um, certainly no more than 20, but really aim for closer to 10. It's completely anonymous. I'm not going to put your name in the title of these episodes. I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to say your name or your kids' names or anything like that. Although if you don't care, that's totally fine too. And you would just record yourself. I'm not even going to be in this conversation. Um, the best way to go about this would just to be a, using a voice recording app on your phone. Um, there are plenty to choose from. Um, and once you record yourself, you can, it it will allow you to share that file and you're going to share it right to my email. My email is on the hard days at gmail.com. I'll put it in the the show notes of this episode as well. Um, you're just going to email me the file directly and I'm going to take that file and obviously I'll give it a quick listen just to see, you know, if, um, if you need to take a second to um, comfort a, a screaming child, not to worry, I will edit that part out. You know, I'll do some basic editing, but then I'm just going to upload it. And I would love to do this on a daily basis. Now, it all depends on how many, um, you know, how many people do it. But the fact of the matter is, is we all have stories. And actually reminds me of teaching. It reminds me, you know, when I'm teaching fifth graders writing and this is part of our fifth grade curriculum with writing is to talk about like a moment in time. And so many kids struggle with this and I hand them that paper. And of course it's like, I don't know what to write about. I don't have any stories. And, and I say on the flip side, all you have are stories. Every single moment in your life is a story. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing right this very second is technically actually a story. If you're driving to work and you're in a rush, that's a story. If you are walking your dog right now um, with a poop bag in one hand and a coffee in the other and a leash around your wrist, that's a story, right? We all have a million stories. The question is, what stories do you have that you think other moms of neurodivergent kids would find comfort in in hearing? So if you want to submit more than one story, by all means. I would just do them as separate files. That's all. I would just request that um, because they will be different podcast episodes. And because it's anonymous, unlike the Monday episodes where I'm saying the mom's name, these are anonymous. I'm just going to upload it. You know, on Tuesday, we're going to have this episode talking about this trip to the library. And on on Thursday, I'm uploading uh, an episode where someone's telling a a story about uh, parent-teacher conferences, whatever it is. Or um, this morning, trying to get ready for school. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. But when you tell a story, 
just as I tell my fifth graders when you're writing. When you're telling a story, it needs to have something that will appeal to the reader or the listener. You know, what's the message of this story? What are you trying to convey? That this is hard, this journey we're on? Yeah. So feel free to convey that. This is hard. Or we can triumph. Small wins are big wins. Absolutely. Whatever. But you're telling a specific story about a moment in time when something happened with your neurodivergent kid. Um, and, and that's what I'm hoping to get out of this. Because I think it would be nice, especially if they're only 10 minutes long, for moms to just grab these little quick stories and, and listen to them um, on a daily basis. And it's like, okay, all right, this mom's been through that moment too. I can do this. I can put one foot in front of the other. I can do this. So that's the goal. So I'm inviting you always, I'm going to put this out and, you know, it'll be uh, an intro into my podcast for for a little while, Um, but the offer will always stand. Record yourself uh, on a voice recording app, take the file and send it to me via email at ontheharddays at gmail.com. And I will do a quick edit if need be, and then upload it. Don't worry about mistakes. This is not, uh, no perfectionism here. Um, There are no such thing as mistakes. Like if you were talking to a friend, you wouldn't be like, you know what, let me tell the whole story all over again because I said um too many times. No, you're good. Just tell the story. What's on your heart about a specific moment in time? Any questions, you know how to reach me, um, DM me on Instagram at on the hard days with dots in between each word, um, or email me. Um, but I am ready for these submissions. So you don't even need to check in with me unless you want to. You can go ahead today, today, right now. If you have 10 minutes, find a voice recording app. Uh, iPhones just have one built in if you swipe down from the top right corner. Um, but you can also download an app and just, just tell a story. It can be from when your kid was two or five or 10 or 15 or whatever. doesn't matter. Tell the story. Keep it anonymous. Send it my way. I'm going to be putting out these episode shorts as soon as the entries come in. As always, my friends, thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful for you. And now on to the episode. When I was asked to share a moment in time of um, raising a child with neurodivergence, there was a flood of moment that I can share. Uh, being a mom of a almost 18-year-old, no direct vision child, and uh, subsequently having four more kids who have a form of neurodivergence, um, it's no shortage of stories and moments in time. Um, but one that stands out over time... Um, It was one morning, it was probably, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years old, and uh, we were having issues with the school bus at the time. Um, They had expected the children to walk on a very, very busy street, and so we had decided to um, strike the bus and not go, and I would just uh, have friends of mine driving because I didn't have a car, and we lived... uh, away from school so he's probably six or seven years old and he comes up maybe eight I don't remember but he comes upstairs and he's got this box in his hand and in that box there is uh, a buckle gun or a toy of that genre 
And um, I tell him, I'm like, you can't, you can't bring that to school. Just, there's just no way. Um, it's not show and tell. And uh, the box, you know, they're just, they're going to get stolen. And, you know, the teachers would tell us you don't bring those stuff at home um and uh he gets he gets upset obviously and one thing to note is at that time we didn't know he had um autism ADHD um we didn't know anything that and giftedness as well he was uh he was 2e but we, we didn't know anything about that so here we are we're just standing in front of our son who's um at that point just really fussing but like more than fussing he, he's arguing and he's upset and he's mad and I tell him let's just put them back in your room right now that's it I mean there's no questioning about it they're not coming to school um I'm not trying to reason with him there's just an ultimatum that's just you can't I, I can't bend the bro um and so I remember he goes downstairs but he's not happy about it and then my friend comes in and he shows her the box and uh and as they're leaving for school he's in the car and he's got the box in his hand and i go outside and i'm like no it's snowy you're not bringing that box outside you're not bringing it to school you're not leaving it in the car you will be upset if it's not home because it won't be home when you get home so i said do not take the box inside go put it back in your room that's where it belongs and that's where it all went wrong so fast he he did go back inside and we had a split level so you had to go down the stairs to go downstairs um from the front door or side door at this point but i remember him screaming and losing his mind over this box of toys and I wish I could have said, you know, sure, bring it to school, come back. But it was just not the rule, and I knew it wouldn't come back. And it was not important. Like, it was just a box of toys. Um, knowing what I know now, I've just been like, whatever, dudes, as long as it stays in the car. That would be my reaction now, uh, 12 years later. But at that point in time, I just had to stand my ground. I don't know. It was really difficult. Um, so he's, he's crying and I can see it in his face, his anxiety level going up. There's just something in him that says, I need to bring this to school. I need to have this toy. It's like it was going to be a break or make kind of friendship day type of thing. If I don't have this, they won't love me. If I don't have that, it won't work. I need to show them that I have this. I need to be popular. I need to be cool. I need to be something like, and, and these are all things that I think they're going through his mind at the time. Were they really? I don't know. Um, all I know is losing his marbles, solid, um, those type of tantrums, meltdowns. And he started throwing things at me and just saying that, you know, he hates himself, that he wants to die, all these words are coming out, and he's freaking out, and he drops the box, and he's scratching at his face, he's just out of himself, to the point that my friend, who, um, you know, she'd seen him grow up since he was about three, so she knew him, and uh, she tried to reason with him, because sometimes we found that when another person that wasn't mom or dad talked to them, talked to him especially, um, they would just kind of respond better. But 
maybe she was too close to his entourage and too close to his daily life because we spent basically every hour together that we could um, and her children mixed really well um, but she came inside and he was so out of sort that she tried to give him a hug and he he wasn't having it and so this simple thing that was supposed to be no you can't bring it to school those toys they have to stay at home we've got a directive it's just not the right time just get in the car go turned into a 30 minute full-on meltdown where my friend was in the stairs holding my son arm crossed against his body where you grab each hand of the child and you just kind of make them give themselves a hug um, because he was violent against himself. I was exhausted. I was petrified. It was just one of those moments where I was told my child is a hard child. But how could he be a hard child when this kid is brilliant and he's not at all difficult in school he is magnificent at school like to the point that the teacher asks me you know like he's one of those kids like teachers and parents are like they're like oh man if we could all have our children look like yours and i was always looking at them with like that dumb struck i'm like what you don't want this kid he's great but at home he's not i mean he can be fun as long as everything goes his way, the way he wants to be, and, you know, we don't divert from anything, and we don't change any plan. Um, so being told that, you know, your kid is amazing, and yet, having that tantrum happen that morning, it's just like, and this is going to sound harsh, but, you know, another nail in the coffin, um, where you feel so isolated, and you're just like, how am I supposed to talk about this? Like, my best friend was there and it was okay. Her, I was proud and like, that she could share that moment with me because when I told her about these things, and, and proud is not the right word, sorry. That was a mistake of word. Um, supported. And I had a friend, I have this person who is still my better half to this day. She's still the one person I can turn to and she'll, 100% get it. She um, she actually became an EA in school because she felt she had a lot of experience and she did with my kids and her own kids. Um, but how could I trust? You know, that was the thing. How could I trust my child? I was always so scared that I would have child services come into my home. And um, just tear me a new one, I guess, and then rip me apart because my kid was acting like this because how could you say no to your child? How could you send him into this tantrum? Like, it was obviously all my fault. In my mind, it was all me. It was something. It was my tone of voice. It was my eyes. It was my look. It was my, my reaction. I mean, I'm not perfect. I The first time I'm okay, I'm like nice and everything, but after a while, I was just like, get over it, man. And, and every parent doesn't want to be that way, but I think we all have our limit and our breaking point. Um, and so that day, 
Um, so yeah, so they got to school late and I sat at home. I remember I was sitting in the stairs feeling so judged and so upset because I was a failure as a parent. You know, I just, even the most little thing was always a big deal. It was never small. It was always like this end of the world thing. And although I had been told over and over that my kid just had a hard heart and uh, it was just, you know, he needed more discipline and more structure and tough love and all that jazz. Um, I always knew something was wrong. But even when I asked for help, nobody had really wanted to help me at that time. They were just saying, you know, neurodivergence, and that's not far away. I mean, we're talking 2010 that I started really questioning myself, even a little before that. So we're not far off. And they made me feel like I was crazy. Um, I talked to my family about it. And the resounding general consensus was that he is so high functioning he's so good he's so great that these tantrums are just him being a child boys will be boys but you feel trapped you are imprisoned within these ideas because the more you think there's something wrong with my kid the more you hate yourself for thinking there's something wrong with your kid because who wants to see the issues in their kids? You focus on the good, right? And I'm very much like that in person and um, in life in general. Be content with your situation. And so I was focusing on that, but I was praying and I couldn't stop. And I was just like, this isn't normal. This is not normal. But what resources did I have? Nothing. I had nothing. I had no one except my best friend who understood her she understood other parents i felt so judged and it made me scared to even go out after these episodes just like a simple box threw him off completely and um maybe that's when i started not going out anymore because every event was a big deal if it didn't go according to plan it was a big deal if something fluctuated it was a big deal so so in that moment, I remember clearly sitting in the stairs, completely defeated. I still had a, a two-year-old in my arms. And I just didn't want to do this anymore. I was just like, how can he be so magnificent for everyone, but so awful to us? And then, and then I always have the quote that says, um, if there are angels elsewhere in monsters... In the house, yes, those words are harsh, but angels in the elsewhere, monsters in the house, then you, parent, are doing a good job. There's variation of that one, but that was the one I read. I think it was uh, one of the blogs of a mom, probably raising neurodivergence that she didn't know about. <laughs> but yes, you, you know, you are their safe space, and he felt comfortable losing his mind at a house. He probably masked once he got to school, not showing anything. But I also knew how it affected my other kids, you know. They were raised in 
and I'm going to say the word violence, because these attitudes, these loss of control, these are violent. And I'm almost, I'm, I'm right back there when I'm talking about it. I, I feel lost, this deep sea, just going one, one storm to another in this raft that I built out of remnants of something. That's how I felt. Thankfully, we got helped. Um, took a long time, but we ended up getting help, and it's much better. But at that very moment, I had failed. And my response was failed. I couldn't help him regulate. I couldn't help him gain self-control back. I just probably lost it more than he did at some point. Um, probably screamed. Probably told him that he was being ridiculous. Probably told him to get over it. To snap out of it. To grow up. All these words that... They were not needed. But I can't take them back. We've talked about it a lot in the past. He doesn't hate us for it. He resents that part of his life that wasn't helped, but he didn't understand anything else. That was a moment. That was the uh, difficult moment. Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website, ontheharddays.com, and click on Schedule a Call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at on the hard days with dots in between each word, or in my free Facebook community, On the Hard Days Podcast and Community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.